right. Good morning, church. Y'all doing all right this morning? I hope you're doing well. Welcome to Connection Church. If you're a first-time guest here, just want to say a special welcome to you. My name is Blake. I get the privilege to be uh, one of the pastors here at Connection Church. And, man, I, I love to teach and get to do that this morning for you guys and just serve in that way. And I'm, I'm just excited. And so uh, we exist to connect people to a growing relationship with Christ. And, man, that's our heart. Uh, we want to see people get saved. And we want to see people grow in a relationship with Jesus. And so, man, I'm excited that you're here. Uh, can't wait to dive in. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll just jump right into Scripture. Let's pray together. Just, God, we uh, love you and, and just thank you for our time together. God, we thank you for your word that we can, God, we have it. And that, God, we can proclaim it this morning. And, God, I just thank you for the power of it. God, it's life. God, your life. And, God, we just thank you for your spirit that you give us, and I pray that, uh, God, your spirit would just work in our hearts as we read your word this morning. You would just stir us up, God, for, uh, for your glory, that we would want to be a people that live for you, that want to live on mission for you, and just, God, convict us in good ways, and God, just have your way, and we just love you so much. Uh, Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, that good old Christmas story, uh, the birth of Christ. And you say, well, Blake, uh, why are we preaching on the birth of Christ? Why the Christmas story? Well, here's a, here's a few things. Uh, one, we just preach through the Bible. And so you can rest assured I'm not at home uh, just choosing and picking what I want to preach. Uh, we kind of just preach through the Bible. Uh, the Holy Spirit wrote it. It's God's Word. And, man, we just preach through it. And, and that's today. Uh, we're on the birth of Christ. The second is, uh, man, I hate to crush your spirit this morning. Uh, Jesus' birthday isn't December 25th. I remember when I found that out. That my mama lied to me. For years, uh, that broke my heart. I didn't. I, I found that out. The Bible doesn't really say, and so a lot of people think it's actually June, July, or maybe August. And then third, uh, we shouldn't celebrate Jesus' birthday once a year. It's not like our birthdays. You know what I mean? Like we should celebrate it every single day because, man, it is life changing. God sent His Son, a Savior, to be born to die for you and me. It's something we celebrate every day. And so Luke chapter 2, let's pick it up together in verse 1, that good old Christmas story. Here we go. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth, where he was, in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David. King David was born there. Because he belonged to the house and line of David. Know this historical setting. Real people, a real place, rooted in real history. That's what I love about our faith. This isn't the North Pole. You know what I mean? This is Bethlehem. 6,425 miles from here. Yeah, I googled it. That is it. And this is a real place. And, and notice that God used a, a, a man to tax the Roman world to get Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem where he was supposed to be because that's where Jesus needed to be born. And I'm like, man, that's an amazing God who's in control. And what it shows me is you don't get to choose if your life brings glory to God. If you're obedient and you live for his glory, praise God, he gets glory. If you're disobedient and you live how you want, in the end he'll get justice and it still brings glory to him. But man, that's the God we serve. And I want you to see that and just marvel about that this morning. Verse 5, it says, He went there to register Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came. God ain't early. God ain't late, he's right on time. And the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger. Why? Because there was no guest room available for him. This is God's big entrance. Notice the humble entrance. Like, here's what I know about God. In the beginning, God. He created the world. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. doesn't need nothing to sustain him. Holds up the universe with his hands. He's in control of all. Birthed in a manger? 
Really. I don't know what you know about a manger. Here's what I know. Growing up, we had horses for a little while, and my parents gave me the great joy of cleaning out the horse stalls every once in a while. And, uh, man, just shaving chips, laying on the ground, just uh, horses using the bathroom and that fly. You know, nothing about that says, man, I think I want to lay down here. Like, I'd like to, I'd like to take a nap here. But this is where he is. And what about this Mary and Joseph? Mary at her best, a 15-year-old maid, borderline slave in those days. And, and what about Joseph, a broke carpenter from the ghetto? You know what I mean, Nazareth? That's who these people are. And man, that gives the Bible, the Bible doesn't need our credibility. But that gives the Bible credibility. Because if you're going to write this script, if you're going to write something, you ain't writing this. You know what I mean? Who does this, but this is our God, how humble he is, and that, how amazing that is to me. Uh, verse 8, and there were shepherds. On a count of three, say shepherds. One, two, three. Man, these boys right here. Watch this right here. They were living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the an angel of the Lord appeared, pushed through the sky, appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Shepherds living in fields. Now that don't sound very holy, does it? That don't sound like the Christmas story that we always see. Uh, my mom, she always had a nativity scene growing up in the house. It's Christmas time. Man, we got the Christmas lights up. There's this blanket of snow. And man, all these animals that look perfect. And then there's these shepherds. And they're dressed in these nice robes. And they look good. And holy night, right? But, the, but it's holy. It's holy. But the only thing that's holy is Jesus. You need to know that. These shepherds were the opposite of holy. They're untrustworthy. They were outcasts. A lot of people say they were thieves and, and robbers. Here's, here's not what's going on. The she I always thought they were looking for Jesus. You know what I mean? I, them jokers look clean to me. But, but here's what's not going on. They're not in the field singing kumbaya, my Lord. More like smoking stolen cigarettes and telling dirty jokes. And next thing you know, an angel comes through, boom, got good news. Like, that's what happens. And, man, that's just amazing to know these people, this angel. This is who God came to. And then the angel preaches the gospel to these cats before anybody else. And how awesome that is. But the angel said to them, verse, uh, verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It's going to cause great joy, and it's for all, all the people, all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. His name, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, just swaddled baby Jesus. Just wrapped up in cloths. I remember when Easton was born, them nurses took that joker. They, they got some blanket, security blanket, wrapped that joker up like a taco, stuck him up under a lamp. And I remember thinking, man, how, how did they do that? But it's called a security blanket. And believe it or not, when that joker would cry, you could wrap, he, you could wrap him up. And I, I couldn't do it. But when he started crying, I... Brandy, swaddle him, swaddle, get your, get his blanket. And man, she would like do some kind of cool thing and it would bring comfort to him. And man, it would bring security and comfort to this baby. Don't get it twisted. That's not what this is. The Greek word for these cloths means to tear. Um, when, when these shepherds, when a baby lamb is born, they would take these torn cloths and wrap it up in these sheep. That way if the sheep falls, there would be without spot, without blemish. These shepherds know exactly what these cloths stand for. When they would see baby Jesus in the manger, they knew that this was God sending his son to be a sacrifice for them. How amazing this is. And then suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth peace to those who his favor rests. Now that's a Christmas service. I don't know how many Christmas services you've ever been to. That one knocks all of them out the park. I mean, you got shepherds out in the pasture. 
just smoking their new ports, whatever they're doing, they're thieves. Angel just pushes through the sky. I got good news, great joy. All people, then his friends show up and they start singing these Christmas carols. They start singing for God's glory. Now, what are the shepherds doing at this point? Because it's got to be one or two things. Either one, they're thinking, we have smoked some really good stuff tonight. Or two, that just happened. And we know it's two, that just happened. Because when the angel had left, verse 15, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's really happened which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen them, I love the Bible, I love the Bible. When they seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They became the world's first evangelist. I thought Billy Graham was the first evangelist. You know what I mean? They, the, the world's first evangelist, these, these shepherds. How amazing that is. And then it said, all who heard it was amazed. Because that's what the Christmas story does. It amazes us. And what the shepherds said to them, but Mary. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Man, Mary had a front row seat to this whole thing. Man, can you imagine if you opened up Mary's journal and look at the things that she wrote about, the things that she treasured. What would you read? Would you read about a virgin birth and how other people might have made fun of her or mocked her, but she was faithful to God and her God was faithful to her? Or maybe you would read about God naming her baby for her. No gender reveal party for Mary. No naming ceremony. Man, God gave her the baby, gave, him, gave her Jesus, named him for her. Maybe you would see her treasuring him at the foot of that manger. Or maybe you'd see her treasuring him one day at the foot of the cross when he died for her sins because Mary was a great sinner and she needed a great Savior. And that's what Jesus was, and I bet that's what she treasured the most. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, and they were glorifying and praising God. For all the things they had heard and they had seen, which were just as they had been told. Man, these guys are different, ain't they? Man, they came back to work different. Because that's what the Christmas story does. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. And it changed their life. And it's changed my life. And man, I hope it's changed your life. And there's a few things we need to draw out of this story. I want, I, want to, I want to gaze at a few things this morning. So three things I want you to see. I want you to write this down. One, I want you to see God's message. Christmas has a great message. God's message to the world. Now look with me in verse 8. It says this, and they were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord showed around them. And they're terrified. But here's God's message. The angel is God's messenger. And the angel said this, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Great joy for all people. Now write this down. A, Christmas is great news. Christmas is all about great news. Well, why is it good news? Well, three words. God with us. This is it. God is with us. And here's what's so awesome. Man, listen, the wait is finally over. That's called anticipation. People waiting for a Savior, waiting for a Savior, waiting for a Savior. When Brandy, Brandy got pregnant with Easton, we received a promise. A promise that a baby's coming. A promise that a boy's coming. For nine months, we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And then give or take a few months, here he is. Here he is, everything we've been waiting for. Can you imagine living in the Old Testament? Can you imagine waiting for a Savior to come for years and years and years? And man, now the wait is finally over. Jesus is here. Listen to these promises. In Genesis 3.15, Jesus is the seed that's going to crush the head of the serpent. That was a promise. Listen to me, Genesis 12, he's Abraham's offspring that's going to bless the world. That was a promise. In 1 Samuel, he's the king that King David foreshadowed. 
a promise. Listen to me, in Isaiah, he's the coming Messiah. Isaiah talked about that's a promise, but promises are only promises until they become realities. And this is a reality. One of our Statesboro pastors, Jordan Thigpen, says they didn't have the substance that they had been promised. But then Christmas showed up. Now Jesus is here. And now, truth too, access is made available. We have access like never before in the Old Testament. Uh, they had what you called the Holy of Holies. And God would shine his glory down in here in the temple. And you had to make sacrifices. And one priest would go in and on behalf of all the people. And you couldn't get too close to God's glory. It'd kill you. Because you can't be around sin. Well, that's amazing that God would want to be with his people. What's more amazing than that is God takes his glory, wraps flesh around it, puts him in a manger and names him Jesus. Now what's more amazing than that is for us in here, when we put our faith in the good Christmas story, in Jesus Christ, he puts his spirit in us. Now that's God in us. And the glory of God living in us. And we got access to God. Listen to me, the wait's over. They look forward to it. Now we look back. Access is made available. And listen to me, the, the best thing about Christmas is Christmas. The best thing about Christmas is God. He's the best gift. See, we love forgiveness, but we can ignore the access we have. We struggle with things like reading our Bible. I know I do. Or praying with God. Or fasting and praying. But these things are all about access. And these things are possible because access is available. And that's what we have. Ask Adam and Eve why Christmas is good news. Ask Noah why Christmas is good news. Abraham and Isaac, you ask them why Christmas is good news. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ask them why it's good news. David, Daniel, Jonah, ask them why it's good news. I remember Moses. Remember he argued with God? God told him to go. God, and Moses looked at him and said, God, if you ain't going, I don't want to go. Because the best thing about you is you. The best thing about God is Him with us and having access to Him. And now, truth three, forgiveness is made possible. Here's what the shepherd's job was. They raised sheep. For sheep to be slaughtered in the temple for their sins. Now God comes to them and the Lamb of God lays in a manger to, be forgive, to forgive them for theirs. And now we have the forgiveness of sins, how amazing this is, the perfect sacrifice. Happy birthday, Jesus. It's like, man, he comes as a baby, came to die for you and for me. And listen to me, all the only people in the Bible who was jacked up was everybody. I mean, it was good news for Nicodemus. It was good news for a woman at the well when Jesus showed up. It was good news for Peter. It was good news for Paul. It was a good news for a thief on the cross in his last seconds. It's been good news for Blake in my life. Is it good news for you? See, the church ain't a group of people that think they got it all together. The church is a group of people who are finally strong enough to admit that they don't. And that's what we are. And it's messy. But man, we got forgiveness. How amazing is this? Listen to me. Not only, not only is it good news. I want you to write this down. B... Christmas brings great joy. That's why I love, your boy loves Christmas. Merry Christmas. I love Christmas because there's just, some, there's just a joy in the air. You can just feel it. Because for the first time ever, it's about giving and not just receiving. It's this generosity, this giving spirit. And we've been given the best gift in the world by God himself. His name's Jesus. And the truest thing about God is what he says about himself. Here's what he says about himself. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Anybody need a good counselor? Hey, he'll be a mighty God. Anybody need a mighty God in times of weakness? Hey, he'll be an everlasting father. Anybody need a good father? Because we all got mistakes as fathers. Hey, what about a prince of peace? The reason some of us don't have joy in our life is because we got a jacked up view of Jesus. 
You see, the truest thing about God ain't what we think about Him. It's what He says about Himself in His Word. And if you think that your view of God is, is your earthly father yelling at you all the time, that don't bring much joy. But what, what would change in your life? What if you saw Jesus as a wonderful counselor? Someone that you could go to and with your problems and Him not roll His eyes at you. What if you saw God as uh, this great invitation to get your problems and get in here? That he's anxious to actually talk to you. Nobody else in your life invites your drama into their life 24-7. But Jesus is like, come on, come on, come on, a wonderful counselor. And no wonder we're not praying. And no wonder we're not reading. Because our view of God might be messed up, but he's a wonderful counselor, an invitation to mercy, an invitation to prayer, an invitation to repentance, an invitation to confession. God does not get annoyed with you. That's a bad theology. Man, God's tired of hearing this from me. Like that's, that's bad theology. That's, that's not God. That's not who he is. What, what joy would you have in your life if you thought he was a wonderful counselor? What about if you saw Jesus as a mighty God? That at the weakest time, when it seemed like God was out of control, when a baby was in a manger, and it seemed like God is, God's totally out of control. There was no room for them at the end. Plan A didn't work, so you had to go to plan B. What if I told you there was no plan B? What if I told you they weren't in a manger because there was no room for them? What if I told you there was no room for them because God wanted to be in a manger? So he, he's in control of all things. Man, what a mighty God we have. What a mighty God we have. What would change if you understand that? What if you understood there's nothing that God's unaware of in your life right now? What if you understood that Jesus don't drive an ambulance? He doesn't show up to the scene late. Not a news reporter. But he is a mighty, mighty God. That's who he is. The older I get, the realize how small I am. And I realize how big he is. And I realize how much more I need him. The closer I get to him, I, need, I know I need him more. And I'm glad he's for me. I'm glad he's with me. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things. Anybody feel like they're going through hell? God's got good for it. I'm telling you. For those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. What if you saw Jesus as an everlasting father? God leaves no father wounds. I mess up as a dad sometimes. And, and so did my dad, and, and so did his dad, and, and so did his dad, and, and so does your dad. But God leaves no father wounds. He's not just a better Adam. He's not just a better Moses. He's not just a better da David. He's a better daddy. A father to the fatherless. He always loves, always protects, always provides. Never is he absent. He doesn't lock the door. He doesn't lock himself in the bathroom to get a little him time. Like that's not the God we serve. He doesn't curl his eyebrow up and frown at you when you come to him with your issues. What if you believed that God was a father like the prodigal son's father? What if you believe when you come to God every time you mess up or every time you need him or anything, he doesn't frown, but he puts a robe on you. He says, crank the music up, kill the calf, we're about to party. That's, that's what God says about himself. And man, that's who he is, an everlasting father. Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? Merry Christmas. What a great gift we have in Jesus. What if you saw him as the prince of peace? That when you went to bed at night and you were still worrying... If you, you could just say, hey, God, I'm going to let you get this because you don't sleep. I'm going to go to sleep. You can work this out for me while I'm sleeping. And I just get back up and we'll, we'll take it from there. But I'm going to go to bed right now because he gives you peace that surpasses all understanding. What if you believe he actually saved you? That he was who he, he, who he is, who he says he is. He's done what he says he's done. That he's lifted you out of the miry clay brought you into a kingdom where you can rule and reign and have a relationship with him. You'd live joyfully urgent. You'd be so joyful in your life. Ten minutes after I got saved, I ain't know nothing. And I ain't know nothing about no Holy Spirit. I ain't know nothing about no Trinity. I ain't know anything. All I knew is Jesus saved me. I looked up in the rearview mirror. I remember driving home. I had a smile from ear to ear. 
And I was like, man, Jesus has saved me. And he's gave me a joy the world never could give me. And man, I wanted to go to war for him. I wanted my family to know. I wanted my friends to know. Man, I wanted people to know what God can do because if he can save me, he'll save anybody. And that's what he does. And man, what an awesome God we serve. Listen to me. I'll tell you what would happen. If you understood these things and believed these things and stepped into these things, you'd, you'd start experiencing the God behind Christmas. You'd start having the joy of Christmas. It's good news. It brings great joy. And see, Christmas is for all people. That's what I love about the Christmas story. The only people in the story that makes sense is the angel. Nobody else. Mary? Joseph? Oh, dirty Joe? No, nobody else in the story makes any sense. Sheep keepers? But this is who, this is God's team. This is who he comes to right off the rip. How amazing it is. This is what I love about the life of Jesus. He lived among the worst. He got called a glutton. He got called a drunkard. Now we know he was neither. But he got called and he hung around the worst. That's what I love about the life of Jesus. It's what I love about, listen, tax collectors, doctors, fishermen, all in the same small group. That's the most weirdest looking group of people on the planet. Reminds me of my small group. We got some different cats in there, dog. I mean, some different cats. I got one of the smartest guy I ever met in my life. I call him the walking commentary. Just smart, knows the Bible. They'll, ask, they'll turn to me because I'm the preacher. Ask me a question. I don't know, you need to talk to Vance. I'm dumb as a rock. But he's smart, man. You got, you got other people with some, man, some jacked up stuff. And then you got me over there, and I got a different background. But, man, we come together. This is awesome. This is God and community. This is what I love about the Great Commission, all nations. This is what I love about the picture of heaven. All bloodlines will go to heaven through one bloodline, Jesus Christ. And that makes us blood family. And if we don't want to go together, we're probably not going at all. I'm telling you, man, that is so amazing. I'm so glad heaven ain't going to be white. Because white people are born. I need some black people in my life. Some Hispanics. I'm so thankful of what our God. I'm glad he ain't the God of America. I'm glad he's the God of the world. That's who he is. This is what I love about my God. The person he was. The boundaries he crossed. The people in his circle. And look at me. You feel like you don't have a seat? You feel like you don't have a seat here? Man, you have a seat at the table. I have a seat at the table. Man, Merry Christmas. Man, how awesome a news. Now, one, we see God's message. Now, but what I want you to see, not just God's message. Two, I want to point out God's mission. Christmas has a mission. The mission of Jesus. Now, look with me in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened that the Lord told us about. And they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, I love the Bible, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. Now when it comes to spreading the word, I want you to see three things. And I hope this is encouraging to you this morning because it's encouraging to me. God showed me this in my time with God. Now, A, write this down. God can use anybody. He can use anybody. If he can use shepherds, he'll use anybody. Notice God's plan of redemption is to use you. He's always used redeemed people to go redeem other people. That's what he does. That's his plan. This is God's team. And I wouldn't have chose this team. And you wouldn't have either. But this is what God does. He uses people's weakness. And then he makes them strong. He brings his strength through their weakness. High theology was entrusted to lowly people. You can't go above that. An angel from God speaking the gospel. The highest theology trusted to the lowliest of people. And you say, Blake, I want to see God move. 
I want to see God move in my life. I want to see God move in my family. I want to see God move in my friends. Well, listen to me. God lives in you. And so if we want to start seeing God move, we're going to have to start moving. He uses us. He uses us. Now notice, not just his plan, but notice Satan's scheme of accusation. He's the father of lies. Satan makes you believe something that ain't true, buy into that lie, and then he owns your life from there. So he makes you believe you can't share with nobody because you ain't smart enough. Or, man, they're going to think you're crazy. Or you're going to look stupid. He makes you bind to the lie. Now, of course you ain't sharing with nobody. Or, Blake, man, I, can't, I, don't, I just I can't pray. Well, now you're not going to pray because you bind into a lie. Can you say, God, teach me how to pray? That's a prayer. Can you, can you speak to people? Can you just be faithful? I'm telling you, God will use you. Don't bind to the lie that you can't do this. That's the only truth devil ever told. You can't do this, but God lives in you, and he'll work through you. All you need to bring to the table is the power of faith. Now listen to this faith, Matthew 17, 20. He says this, because you have little faith. He said, truly I tell you, if you have faith small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. What if you was crazy enough to believe that? Like, man, what if you just gave God what you got? What if you just put the boxing gloves on and just, just started swinging, man, just got, into the, just got into the fight and just said, man, God, use me. I'm going to bring my faith, and I'm going to step out and be used by God. What would change? When did we start thinking God needed our abilities? He wants our faith. He wants our heart. And so write this down. B, good news doesn't matter if no one hears about it. Man, what if these shepherds never said anything? What if the angel never said anything? What if, man, through the years, the gospel's been handed down on the blood of men? Man, what if they didn't say anything? Good news isn't good unless somebody hears it. Romans 10, 14 through 15. How? On the count of three, say how. One, two, three. How then can they call on who they have not believed in? And how? Can they believe in the one who they not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We are divine mail carriers. God's chosen postmen to deliver the good news to the world. And we're a people who like to herald good news. It comes natural to us. Some of y'all like to herald bad news, but we like to herald news. And I know for me in my life... A lot of times the only problem with me heralding good news is I'm at the center of it. A lot of times when I herald good news, it's my selfies that I want everybody to see. It's my accomplishments. But if I really care about my neighbor and my friends and family, I'll stop sharing my news and I'll start sharing the good news. And I'm telling you, that's what God wants to do. And man, these shepherds, what I love about them is they crush all my excuses. Like, listen to this, man, listen to this. They're like the ultimate myth busters. I mean, uh, are you not smart enough? Mm, they fed sheep. Are you not rich enough? Ah, they lived in fields. I'm too busy. They watch sheep 24-7. I don't know what to say. They just told people what happened. They played a game of show and tell. They just pointed and said, hey, man, here's what God did. That's all they did. And here's what I want you to see. It's in your faithful weaknesses that God does his greatest work. It's in your faithful weaknesses God does his greatest work. If it was up to me to come in here every week and preach a bomb sermon, I would quit. Because that's too much pressure for you, boy. But it's, in, it's not my abilities. It's being faithful to what God gives us. And I'm telling you, that's what he wants you to do is be faithful. So listen to me. Here's what I get a lot. Is, is I'm sure a lot of preachers do, but here's what I've heard a lot. Pastor, I not you be praying for my family. Because so-and-so's lost. And I, and I do. Listen to me. I do pray. I promise you. But listen to me. Another, another one I get is, is, man, I wish I could get so-and-so here to hear the message. What I wish is you would carry the message to so-and-so. 
Because listen to me, listen to me, I love you, listen to me. Most likely the person God's going to use to change your friend, most likely the person God's going to use to change your family is you. And man, we all got a part to play in this. That's why we're in this thing together. So build a bridge from your heart to their heart that Jesus can walk across. And man, take, take your relationships and use them because the only Jesus someone might see might be the Jesus living in you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So like, listen to me. See whose life is going to change this year because you took Christmas serious. Not December 25th. Like the birth of Christ. Whose life's going to change? God told me one day, he, he said, stop making people's decisions for them. Because I'm bad about being like, man, they ain't going to listen to me. Man, they ain't going to hear what I'm saying. Because I, are you God? Like, why am I making decisions for people? If I could just be faithful. I love Matt Chandler. Here's just a statement by him. He says, what if nobody was safe? Everywhere they go and they turn around, there you are. Just ready to talk about Jesus with them. Like, man, at the ball fields, just in the grocery store, just at the restaurant. What, what if you were crazy enough to pray for your waitress instead of complaining to her? Because she's probably going through hell. Man, what about at the gym? What if you were crazy enough to bring your Bible in there while you're working out and read Scripture but in between sets? Like what would change, man? Whose life would change? What about the schoolhouse for some of our students and teachers? What if you were crazy enough, to, bold enough to take your Bible to the lunchroom? Like, who are you scared of? Like, man, what would change if we owned our faith? Man, people's lives would change. What about coaches? Man, what if you were a coach that prayed for your kids, prayed for your students, prayed for your athletes? Not that religious prayer right before the game, but like you were a man of prayer. And you just prayed with your students, prayed with your kids. Whose life might change? What would have happened? Listen, if we took the mission of Christmas serious, not just God's message. God's got a great mission for you. And every person has a purpose. And God wants to use you. And he's going to do it if you step out by faith. We got God's message. Now listen to me. It's good news. It's great joy. And it's for all people. But we got to carry it to the people. And God's got a great mission, and he wants you to be a part of it. But then lastly, last thing I want you to see is, is I want you to see God's heart. This is the heart of Christmas. Nothing reveals God's heart like Jesus. One of the events that reveals his heart is the cross. But nothing else reveals his heart any more than this good old Christmas story. And, and here's what we see. A, we see who he is. Who is Jesus? I'll tell you. Look at me in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He's the Messiah who's been promised. He's the Lord, which literally means God of the universe. He's a great Savior. Not only does the angel say he's a great Savior, Jesus, that's his mission statement. He says, I came to seek and save the lost. It's in the middle of the day. Jesus is walking down the street. Crowds gathered round, and there he is, this punk named Zacchaeus. He's short, he's a tool bag, nobody likes him. He taxes people's money and then overtaxes them and put it in his pocket. He's a real thief, real crook. No one moves out of the way for this dude. No one piggybacks, you know what I'm saying, gets him on his shoulder so he can see Jesus. He pushes through the crowd, he climbs up a tree. Then Jesus comes, stops right under that tree, looks up to him, calls him by name. Zacchaeus, come down. Salvation has came to your house. And then Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus was lost. The Pharisees say, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm him. And that's what he came to do. He came to seek and save the lost. All you got to do to be saved is be lost. And we're all lost. Now listen to me. Jesus is the only way to gain peace with God. Because he's who he sinned against. If I run out there and punch you in the face and, and lift your wife's purse and run out of here. And then everybody else in here says, Blake, brother, we forgive you. You're going to be like, wait a minute. Y'all ain't the one who got punched in the face. 
So for me to, me to receive true forgiveness, i got to receive it from the one who I sinned against. And we've all raised our fist at God. And what's crazy, and we've all punched him in the face. And what's crazy, he sends Jesus, and Jesus gets punched in the face, so you can get set free. God got punched twice, one from you, one for you. That's what the gospel says. That's what has happened. And what a great Savior he is. You see, the Bible teaches from start to finish, you and I are great sinners in need of a greater Savior. And that's what makes Christmas necessary. We don't need Santa Claus. We need a Savior. And Santa can't forgive sins, but listen, because it doesn't teach that we're good people that need to be made better. The Bible teaches we're dead people that need to be made alive. And Jesus is life. Like, not a part of my life. He is life. The reason I wake up, the reason we live out of, he's not just a part of my life. He is life. And he's a great savior who gives life because we can't really find satisfaction in this world because we were created for another world. Life with God. And he's a great savior. Now listen to me. Is he your savior? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you broken over your sin? Do you want a savior to save you? Man, do you want to have you put your faith in Christ? Have you turned back to God? He's not just a savior. The angel says this, he's Messiah. Jesus is king. Sometimes we gaze into this story and we see little baby Jesus. But he's King Jesus. And every king has a crown. And so did Jesus. Crown of thorns. And every king has a kingdom. And so does Jesus. And every king rules his kingdom. And so does Jesus. He came in a manger. He rode in on a donkey. He died on a cross. He's coming back on a horse with a tattoo on his side. It says, King of kings, Lord of lords. That is our Jesus. But is Jesus the king of your heart? He's savior, but is he your savior? He's king, but is he king of our heart? Because everybody in here on our heart sits a throne. And there's constantly things fighting for that throne, fighting for your heart. Wanting you to do this, wanting you to go that. But Jesus belongs on that seat because he created you, loves you, forgives you, died for you. He wants a relationship with you. And then lastly, man, he, he's Lord. He's God. Listen, let the Bible speak here. You need to get you some ones in your life. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. He made them in their image. Jesus right there in Genesis 1. What about John 1? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Now watch this. The Word was God. Jesus is God. And the Word became flesh. That's who Jesus is. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Every religion wants to be little Jesus. He's God. What about Hebrews 1? The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being. You want to see God? Look at Jesus. You want to see how God acts? Look at Jesus. You want to see how God loves you? Look at a cross. That's God. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, the Son, Jesus, the image of the invisible God, He's over all creation. In Him, all things are created. By Him and for Him, He's before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. He's Lord, but is He the Lord of your life? He's Savior, but is He your Savior? He's King, but is He King of your heart? He's Lord, but is He Lord of your life? We see who He is. B, we see what He brings. Peace unexplainable. Look with me in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those who His favor rests. Jesus brings peace. The reason we don't have peace in the world is because we ain't got peace with God. When you get peace with God, you'll have peace with yourself. When you get peace with yourself, you'll have peace with other people. But until you have peace with God, you will never have truly peace with yourself. And if you never have true peace with yourself, you'll never have true peace with other people. But that's what God gives. He gives peace. He gives peace. He gives peace. And what else matters? If you got peace with God... What else in this life really matters? That is the only thing that matters. Peace with God, peace with God, peace with God. He gives joy unspeakable. He brings joy into our life. Two, chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. 
Because you'd be afraid too if you were smoking cigarettes out there, acting crazy, and then God's glory came. Don't be afraid. I got good news. It's going to cause great joy. What a great joy. Notice it doesn't say happiness. Happiness kicks the crap out of some of us. Because happiness is cheap. Because happiness depends on what happens. One phone call wrecked your life. It depends on what happens. It'll be took from you in a second. But joy is in Jesus. And that's a foundation I can stand on. If you're living for happiness, you're going to drown in sorrow. But listen to me. Joy, that is Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And he left that grave empty. And no matter what I go through, as long as I got Jesus, he's enough, he's enough, he's enough. It brings joy into my life. Because he nailed my sins to the cross. He left the grave empty. He's the only sure thing I got. And he gives life unfathomable. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave, he gave, he gave his one and only son. That whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Life is not found in living freely how you want. Life is found when you find what you were created for. And you were created for a relationship with God. That's what He gives you. And see, we see what He wants. Why'd He come? Why'd He come? We see what He wants. Look at me in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior's been born to who? To you. To you. To you, he wants you. Listen, the best gift ever given is Jesus. The best thing about Christmas is Christmas. He's the gift. I remember growing up, uh, I would get toys and I'd be real satisfied for a little while. Then about three months later, I was ready for next Christmas. Because they didn't satisfy me anymore. One of our Statesboro pastors, Jordan Thigpen, says it like this. Jesus is the only type of gift that when you get it, you don't need another Christmas. Man, what a great Savior. What a great satisfier we have. And man, I also remember growing up. I remember growing up, and I remember looking under the Christmas tree. I didn't care how big the box was. I didn't care how small the box was. There was one thing I was looking for. My name. If my name's on the box, that's what matters. I remember I go downstairs, I see my brother's name on a box, I get mad because it ain't mine. That's called sin. But listen, what I love about our God, and what I love about our God is He has given you a gift. And not only has He given you a gift, it's got your name on it. Listen, you, God's given the gift. You can't stop this. He has given it to you with your name on it. It's got your name, it's got your name, it's got your name. What a great God. And you've got to do something with Jesus. We all respond. Some of us will walk out of here stepping closer to Jesus. That's a response. Some of us going to run away like this right here. That's a response. But it's still a response. And I love you. Look at me. Look at me. I love you. We're going to answer for this one day. Because when I get to heaven and I say, God, man, I, I preached every week. I read my Bible. I prayed every day. Ah, ah, ah. God's going to say, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? We all have to respond to Jesus on that so holy night. Them messy shepherds, messy Mary, messy Joseph, that old holy night. There was a holy Savior born. And on that holy night, an angel was preaching. Angelic hosts were singing. Shepherds were witnessing. Wise men were worshiping. But look at me. What are you going to do with Jesus? Don't punt on the best gift ever given. Some of us in here, you need to know about His coming. And some of you in here, man, you, this is a little sketchy. And you've got questions. And I want you to know this is a safe place for your questions. And I want you to know it's okay to have questions. And I'll tell you this, read the Bible, you're probably going to come back saved. And I'm going to tell you this, just come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. But you need to know about His coming. And I'll tell you what, some of us in here, we need to treasure His coming. We made Christmas about something it ain't about. 
We treasure other things in the world every day. I'm talking to myself here. But we need to treasure His coming. Mary treasured His coming. And some of us in here, we need to tell about His coming. How long are you going to stay quiet? How long are we going to stay quiet? Oh, that God would move us. And then some of us in here, you need to trust in His coming. You ain't got to know it all to believe it. You ain't got to figure it all out to step into it. But if you step into it and say, God, I'm coming, you show me. God's going to show up. You need to trust in His coming. And i tell you this, the best thing about Christmas, the best gift didn't go up under a tree. The best gift hung on a tree. His name is Jesus. Don't deny Him. Don't ignore Him. Praise God. Receive Him. Receive Him. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we thank you for a Savior. The best gift that's ever been given is you, it's you, it's you. You created us. You run towards us. You died for us. You invite us in. You forgive our life. Maybe some of you in here this morning, you say, Blake, I am, I've been playing religious games. I've been going to church. I've gone through the motions. Man, I've read my Bible. I do a lot of things. But when I look at the fruit of my life and the fruit of my heart, I don't see a heart that loves, desires, and follows obediently to Jesus. And maybe today you say, Blake, that gift, I want to step into that gift. That'd be the best thing that could ever happen to your life. With every eye closed right now, you say, today's the day. The Spirit's working in my heart. He's drawing me and calling me. Would you not put off Jesus? Would you not put off Jesus? You say, today's the day I want to give my life to Jesus. We just lift your hand up in the air? I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. You say, that's me. Lift it high. Say, that's me. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for how great you are. We thank you for your generosity. You so love the world you gave. God, I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for Jesus. God, stir us up. Stir your church up. God, to be about your business, to live for your glory, to carry your mission where we work, where we play, where we rest, everywhere we go. God, we love you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's just celebrate him one more time. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hey, get up. We're going to worship him a little bit.